0: I am so passionate about sharing with you the stories of entrepreneurs and leaders who have impact, their inspiring and energizing role models. I hope you use what you learn here to be inspired about what you can do in your business and beyond. For ongoing inspiration and support to get clear on your impact and put it into action, enter your name and email at workalchemy.com. Today's guest in this podcast series on Impact is Tess Vigland. Tess is a national award-winning veteran journalist and a well-known voice to millions of American radio listeners. She is CEO of Tess Vigland Productions, a Los Angeles-based multimedia company. Tess spent 11 years as an anchor for Public Radio's Marketplace, including six hosting the personal finance show, Marketplace Money. Her first book, Leap Leaving a Job with No Plan B to Find a Career and Life You Really Want was published by Random House in August of 2015. She's currently doing independent reporting, writing, and photography throughout Southeast Asia. So welcome to the podcast, Tess. I'm so delighted to have you here. Thank you, Ursula. It's my pleasure to be here. So I'm talking to you in ta- in Bangkok. You're in Bangkok, yes. rather. So tell me how how did you end up in Southeast Asia after a, a gig with uh, with National Public Radio, and and how all of that unfolded?
1: Oh my goodness! Well, uh, let's see. We'll do the Cliff's Notes version here. <laughs> uh, I was in public radio for. Uh, 20 plus years, uh, most of that uh, at the program that you mentioned called Marketplace, a business and economics program. And in 2012, uh, I left that job despite the fact that it was quite literally my dream job. It's the job that I had wanted from the time I was about 17 years old and interned in public radio um, after my freshman year in college. And, you know, I, I had a job that a lot of people wanted. I had my own radio show, a national radio show. And, you know, I, I, I loved the job itself, but I had come to have some issues with my employer, um, that I didn't feel were resolvable. And I also wasn't really sure what to do after having my dream job. Um, I just hadn't really thought about it a lot, but I, I really felt like I needed to leave my career. And so I left, uh, without having any idea what I wanted to do next. And what I ended up doing was writing a book about that experience, about leaving a career and taking some time to figure out what you want to do. And after the book came out, I really still didn't know what I wanted to do. <laughs> uh, but I had, I was in the process of, um, leaving my marriage and, uh, out of that sold a house in Los Angeles And I decided instead of putting that money away into a retirement fund that I wanted to go have an adventure. Uh, And at the time, I was 46 years old. I'm now 48. And I just basically said, I don't have a job. I don't have a husband. I don't have a house. I don't have anything keeping me from jumping off and seeing where it takes me. And so I left in December of 2015, landed in Saigon in Vietnam. And stayed there for four months and visited several countries in Southeast Asia during that time and then I decided uh, that Saigon was uh, not quite big enough for me and decided <laughs> to move to Bangkok in April of two thousand and sixteen and i haven 't left so <laughs> i 've been here for um, a little over a year, and I've been gone for now a year and a half, and in that year and a half I've visited fourteen countries. Mm. And it has been the most wonderful adventure that I never, ever would have expected. I I still cannot believe that I'm living in Bangkok, Thailand. (laughs) Um, But so far, so
0: good. And it has worked out, and I couldn't be happier. That is great to hear. Well, I actually saw you speak around the time that you were talking about writing a book that was at world domination summit yeah you you gave a great talk about I have no idea what's next and I'm (laughs) just gonna figure it out as I go so and it really is is something that resonated with people because we were so pressured to come up with the grand plan you know in in the way that you did with this is the work that I want to do and once you did it then it was like okay now what
1: Right. Exactly. I'm, I'm so glad you saw the speech that it was it was one of those life changing moments for me getting up in front of 3000 people and te- 3000 strangers mm-hmm. and telling them uh, how insecure I felt and how I felt like I'd made the biggest mistake of my life. <laughs> and I didn't know what I was going to do next. I mean, who does that? Right. right. And admits all of that. <laughs> um, but I did. And unbeknownst to me in that audience sitting along with you was an executive editor from Random House. Mm-hmm. And eleven days later, I had a book deal. Wow! So that that speech literally changed my life. Um, and you're right; it really was. You know that both the speech and and the book eventually were really about what you do when you are like me, and I think I would guess like a lot of your listeners, a planner. Mm-hmm. And you know, you grow up, I think, particularly as an American, uh, thinking that you need to have your life planned out. Uh, you start getting asked when you're 11, 12, 13 years old, what you want to be when you grow up or even earlier. And you're expected to know where you want to go to college and what you want to study. And you're supposed to know what you want to do when you get out of college. And once you get out of college, well, then you're supposed to have a career trajectory that's going to get you to some place where, you know, you're going to make a decent amount of money and you're going to have a title, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we all go through that and we all have been conditioned to believe that that's the way things are supposed to go and that's the way life is supposed to be. Uh, What you learn, I think, eventually is that, well, that is the case perhaps in America, but that doesn't mean that you have to follow that path. Now, I did follow that path and, you know, to what I would say is great success. Um, So, I can't knock it because it worked. That said, I'm really glad that I stepped away from that plan that I had for myself. It was scarier than I could possibly describe to you. I mean, I was absolutely terrified um, and I really felt like I had made a huge mistake and that this was going to come back and bite me in the butt. um, But it didn't. And the things that I learned about myself by getting off that track, and taking some time to figure out who I wanted to be, what I wanted to be, who I was outside of what I did for a living, that was really, really valuable. And I would encourage anyone who can to do that as well at some point in your life. It doesn't have to be when I did it. It can be earlier or later, whatever. Um, but it, it's there's a lot of value to taking some time to step out of what is expected
0: of you and figure out what you want instead. I absolutely agree. I actually did something similar seven years ago. I sold my house and in my case, most of my belongings and I went on the road and just the plan was to travel for as long as that made sense to me to do. And, um, yeah, it was, it was interesting because you said that you were really scared about that. And I, I had had a business for 15 years. I wasn't scared. I was actually Mm. really. Excited about it, and I thought everybody else would think I was insane, but I didn't get that reaction either. So I'm curious how how did other people react in your case? How did how did they uh, how did your friends and family respond?
1: Well, you know, they I,
0: I think all the way along from from when I left my my
1: dream job to when I left the shores of the United States, um, I fe- I I got what you got. I got nothing but support and nothing but cheering. Um, and people saying, you know, go for it. You're doing what everybody else wants to do mm-hmm. um, at some point in their life. So let us know how it goes and keep us updated. <laughs> um, you know, but and and when I, when I say I was scared and terrified, I think that was mostly because I, you know, you're you're, suppo- you're, you're always supposed to have this notion of what you're doing mm-hmm. or where you're going. Or what it's going to look like, or you know, if you're if you're leaving the country, you're supposed to know where you're going to land and where you're going to stay when you get there. Well, I mean, I you know, I had a hotel room when I landed in Saigon, uh, but I didn't know what I was going to do after that, and I had no idea how long I was going to be in Vietnam. I didn't know which countries I was going to visit. I mean, I I literally left with a suitcase, a backpack, and a photography bag, (laughs) and. A one-way plane ticket to Saigon, and that was it. That was the ex- that was literally the extent of my planning. Mm-hmm. And that's the, there's no comfort zone in that, right? That's <laughs> true. Uh, so that's that's really what I meant, you know. Um, but I was very fortunate that uh, you know. I think a lot of people, as I said, want to do this, and I was fortunate to be able to do it financially um, and commitment wise. And so I, I think, uh, you know, you and I are friends on Facebook, so I'm sure you've seen part of my journey. Um, and people yeah. have responded to it, and they seem to be really following it and seeing how it's going, and perhaps even living a little bit vicariously through me.
0: Absolutely, I, uh, I'm, I'm intrigued too about how things are evolving for you on that front, because the, the subtitle of your book is a job. Leaving a job with no plan B to find the career and life you really want—have right. you discovered that? Is this is this is there an end point to that, or how how do you <laughs> feel about it at this point? Um, I would say I have found the life I really want, uh, not
1: the career. Uh-huh. I, you know, as I said, I sold my house and I've taken those proceeds, and essentially, I, I mean, I've I've hardly done any work the last year and a half because I haven't had to. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, I've I've been traveling. Um, extensively. Like I said, 14 countries in the last year and a half. Right. So I haven't actually spent a whole lot of time trying to think about, you know, what that next thing is going to be when I run out of money or when I get close <laughs> to running out of money. Great. Um, and, you know, that will happen at some point. Do I go back to journalism? I don't know. Do I go to something writing relate? Do I go? Sorry, excuse me. Do I go to something writing related? I don't know. Do I do something entirely different? I don't know. <laughs> um, you know I it it's actually very hard for me to even believe that I gave notice at my job five years ago. Wow, five years ago, right? Yeah. So I haven't had a quote unquote normal conventional job in five years. Now, yes, I did a ton of freelancing. Uh, before I left the states, mm-hmm. uh, and of course I, I wrote a book. Right. So it's,
0: it's not like I was sitting not a small doing nothing. Not a small accomplishment.
1: No, no, exactly. Um, but you know, I I don't really have a career right now, and I don't. I still don't know what that's going to look like. I have the luxury, the admitted luxury of of not having to figure that out yet. You know, it sits in the back of my head. Um, and I should probably be freelancing more than I do right now, just to keep my name out there. And I do have to be aware that I'm at an age, you know, I'm almost 50 where there, there are all kinds of articles that tell me that if I try to get back in the workforce, it's going to be hard for me. So I am hyper aware of those things, but at this point I'm really living my life. Uh, if not day to day, then certainly week to week, month to month, I don't, I don't really have plans and I'm liking the way, that feels I'm, I'm enjoying mm-hmm. that. And you know, I'm, I'm in a very cheap part of the world, so I will probably be able to do this for a while longer. Um, so I, I'm actually not practicing what I preached in the book, uh, (laughs) in terms of finding the career that I really love. Uh, but I have definitely found the life that I love at Mm. least for now. And what I don't worry about is so much, you know, the, the, the far out future anymore. I'll, I have confidence
0: now that I will absolutely figure that out. I really Mm -hmm. don't worry about it. Yeah. Well, and maybe you are doing that right now without, the usual sort of let's down and be very left brain about it and, and write our pros and cons lists and right. figure out, you know, what's the best economically. And of course, all those things are, are valuable and important, but there's a, there's a kind what I'm hearing from you is that there's a kind of being present to your life yes. in a way that you haven't experienced before. Is that fair to say?
1: Absolutely. You nailed it. Um, and I mean, I've always been that pro and con list person. I mean, literally like, you know, draw a line down the middle of the right. page and, and do, the, do the two lists. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. And absolutely, you know, as I said, I, I am extremely privileged in what I'm able to do right now. And I'm fully aware of that. Not everyone can do that. Um, and, you know, in that case, the pro and con list is going to serve you well. And, you know, the, the, the future planning is going to serve you well, particularly financially. That said, I think that we often use as an excuse, uh, the the idea that our life has to look like X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we need to attain certain levels of success in our lives by maybe certain ages or certain, uh, age brackets. And, I just don't care about that anymore, quite frankly. Yeah. I don't worry about that anymore. Um, And, you know, I will also say I don't have children, so that is a factor. um, And I know that it becomes a factor for people who do have them. Mm -hmm. But, you know, again, I think it's very easy to sit back and say, you know, oh, I could never do that. I could never do what she's doing or... I could never do what you did, Ursula, uh, (laughs) because I have, you know, this to do and that to worry about. And, you know, this is what I'm supposed to be doing in 10 years and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, you can make that argument until the cows come home. Uh, And that means that you are never going to take a risk. And what I really try to encourage people to do is to at least, even if you are not going to quit your job and leave the country, at least sit down and think about Alternatives to what your life could look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly if you're not, if you're not really kind of perfectly happy with where you are and what you're doing. Just take take a weekend. Take a weekend and sit down and just think about it. Just give yourself the headspace to clear out some of the junk and some of the expectations that either you think have been put upon you or you've put upon yourself. And just take the time to just sit with it and think about what alternatives might be available
0: to you. What's the harm in that? Yeah. And I think you're so right. I, we get slotted into these paths and people aren't allowing themselves or are or, or afraid to be really creative about what their lives could look like. So then yes. our lives start to look like somebody else's. And there's a real creativity in the very literal sense of the word where you're creating your life on a day-to-day basis and... and uh, as you said, there is freedom in not having kids and and having to uh, focus on on their care and um, and having financial freedom. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: But, but but I do think you know again that that can become an excuse for at least not even just just telling yourself that you that it'll never happen for you that it can never happen for you. Mm-hmm.
0: And I just don't believe that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally with you. Well, one of the things that uh, I, I'm interested to ask you about here is when you're, you're in a job and especially your job, you had a lot of visibility. You had a lot of people wanting to hear from you and therefore having impact in a larger sense on a, on a national level, certainly. Mm-hmm. How does that feel to you now that you, you don't have that stage and mm. do you feel is, is not having that impact something that you, that you miss or is that morphed in yes. some way?
1: No, I, I do miss it uh, quite a bit, actually. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I talked about in my speech and, and then also in the book was the whole idea of identity. You know that that we are all again. I think this is very particular to America. We are all so wrapped up in what we do for a living, and that that somehow speaks to who we are mm-hmm. as people. Right. And so, for me, as a public personality, as a you know a national broadcaster, you know, I had a, I had a very very large audience um, that listened to me mm-hmm. and uh, tuned into my show, and that that is something that you know, for me, I think even magnified that whole idea of, of who I was. Right. You know, I I wasn't just Tess Vigland. I was Marketplace's Tess Vigland. Right. And so one of the greatest struggles I had after quitting my job was, uh, well, who am I now and, and how am I valuable just even as a person? Mm-hmm. Like, Who's going to want to talk to me now? I'm, I'm not with Marketplace anymore. Mm-hmm. Who's going to want to listen to me now? I'm
0: not with Marketplace anymore. Right. Um, and it's not just you and, telling yourself that you're, you're, you're connected with Marketplace. Everybody around you is saying the same thing because yes. of the size of the yes. audience.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I, 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 would go to, I would go to dinner parties and, you know, the, the first question, what's the first question anyone ever asks you in America uh, when you first meet them, right? right? What do you do? Well, what do you do? What do you do for a living? Um and by the way, I've learned since then that that is actually not the case in a lot of European countries. That's it's true. actually rude to ask people what they do for a living. <laughs> right. Um so but you know that that is the thing in the states and I had this great answer, right? I could say, "Oh, you know, I'm a I'm a, I'm on the I'm on the radio. Perhaps you've heard me." <laughs> and Once I left, I didn't have that anymore. In fact, I'm kind of embarrassed to say, but I used to. After I quit, I would say, "Well, I used to be," (laughs) because I didn't really have an answer. I was basically a freelancer, Um, and you know, I, I think that's that is the one element I think that is even. And you know, the people aren't going to believe me when I say that. But but I I think that is actually even more difficult to deal with than the financial burden that can creep up um, when you when you leave a career uh, if you're not prepared for it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the 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 whole idea that you no longer have that thing to talk about yourself to identify yourself with. Right. Um, you know, my, my my father actually has just retired um, after a very long career as a surgeon and i 'm finding that you know now he is going through the same thing, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of retired people uh, face this that you when you don 't have your work, who are you what What value do you bring right. um, and of course you bring value just by being a person yes. but that's that 's not how we think, and so um, I have found that a lot of people i 've talked to who have you know quit their jobs without knowing what they wanted to do next this was this was their greatest struggle. Mm -hmm. And so what I really encourage people to do is to start thinking about that before you ever face that. I mean, if you're near retirement age, boy, start thinking about that before you retire because you're not going to have that identity anymore. What else, what else makes you, you know, is it being a, a grandmother? Is it, um, a hobby that you have? Is it a charity that you work with and support? because that then can become and should already be part of a well-rounded identity that doesn't have anything to do with what you do for a living. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really
0: healthy. It is. Absolutely. And um, yeah, that's an interesting analogy that your dad is in the same, at least able to amp- you're able to empathize with each other in terms of yeah. who am I? Yeah, now? I mean
1: I, you know I I certainly my, my job was not nearly as important as his was. Um you know he was helping people with their health but you know the, the fact is that that's what he did day in and day out, and that's where he got his sense of self that's where I mean obviously he was my dad too um, but that's where he got his sense of self that's where he mm-hmm. got his sense of value and that's where he got True. input from other people about what his value was mm-hmm. and that's all understandable, but then when you don't have that
0: that that's really tough to deal with. Mm-hmm. Well it's an interesting question on this topic of impact around can you have impact when you don't have a job or a business yeah, and that's a really good question i mean I think that
1: would be that would be a question i guess for people who are following my journey you know if you're if it's if the question is being asked of me, I don't know what my impact is right now mm-hmm. because quite frankly, I feel like my life right now is very it's quite frankly, self-centered. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's all about me and what I want to be doing right now. Um, now I do, I do try to make a point to share this journey with a lot of people, um, on social media, on Facebook, on Mm -hmm. Instagram, on my, uh, you know, on, on photo essays that I do and things like that. So that, you know, perhaps one service that, that I am performing is to uh, educate people about a part of the world that most Americans have no idea about. Um, and I think, you know, education is always uh, a worthy goal. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe I'm just trying to talk myself into feeling, <laughs> feeling like I'm doing some good somewhere. Um, I don't know. You know, that would be a question for the people who have followed my journey. But I also, you know, I would also argue that maybe for a year and a half or two years, I don't have to worry about, like, doing something productive or, you know, doing something for the good of the world or, you know, whatever it is. Um, I did that for a really long time and, uh, I did it well and I did it for other people. Uh, now maybe we should spend our entire lives in the service of others. Um, I, I have chosen right now to not be doing that. And some people might criticize that, but frankly, it feels really good to me. And I think when I do go back to whatever I end up going back to, uh, it's going to make me a more compassionate person. It's going to make, I think it's going to make me a better employee. I think it's going to make me, it's already, this whole thing has made me a better citizen of the world Mm -hmm. for sure. It's made me a more educated voter and I was already pretty educated as a reporter. Mm -hmm. So... You know, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to constantly be um worthy and constantly be proving ourselves as
0: worthy. Um, well, and I have stopped doing that well, and worthiness is so much tied up with how much money are you making or how much yep. are you contributing in some very perhaps obvious or straightforward ways that are familiar to people. But I would argue that we all have impact all the time every day and how we show up, how we connecting with other people. Are you, and you're sharing your story, you're sharing your experience and it's been inspiring for people. I would say that that's a, that's a kind of impact too.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I really hope so. And, and, and I mean, I certainly get a lot of out of sharing it with people because I, I just love that, you know, people, people have literally said to me, you know what, I was going to go to Europe on my vacation this fall, but because of what you've showed me, I'm actually going to come to Thailand and Laos instead or mm-hmm. Cambodia or, you know, whatever. And I love that. I love that I, that these travels that I'm doing have exposed people to a part of the world that they didn't already know. Um, you know, that how, how is that not a great thing? I right. We, we should all be global citizens. So <laughs> Um, if that is happening kind of on the sideline of what I'm doing for myself, then I could not be more pleased. And, and, um, you know, I, I think that, but, but I think again, that kind of the point is to, at least for me, that I have become comfortable with the fact that I am not productive right now, quite frankly, I'm, I have, I've done awesome. maybe, I've done maybe three, four freelance pieces in the last year and a half. And mm-hmm. other than that, mm-hmm. I've been doing, everything I've been doing has been for, you know, photo essays that I publish myself, um, or, you know, stuff I play post up on on Facebook. I, I, I have not, I have not worked, (laughs) so I have not been productive, but I don't care anymore because I'm living the life that I want to lead. And in the process, I hope that I'm doing some good in some way, in some shape, in some form. And I think that this journey is going to end up in something, maybe another book. I, I don't know, but I just don't worry about that anymore. And boy,
0: Ursula, is that freeing. (laughs) (laughs) It absolutely is very liberating to not have to worry about being productive. That is such a, I think that contributes so much to our culture and how busy we all are because you have to, at the very least, you have to look productive. And it really creates this whole environment where you're busy, but not doing things that are important to you. And I think that yes. is ultimately draining. And, Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, you've read the same articles I have. I'm sure about the kind of the busyness craze mm-hmm. that has been going on the last few years. You know, it's a it's an epidemic of busyness. And I mean, I have I used to face that with my friends back home where. You know, you, you'd say, can we go out for dinner in the next month or so? Oh no, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. And it's (laughs) almost like this, it's almost (laughs) like this badge that people wear in the States that, that they are so busy that they, they literally cannot do anything fun. Mm -hmm. Well, what? what the hell kind of life is that? (laughs) Pardon my French, but really? Yeah, that's what you're here on earth for? No, I'm sorry. No.
0: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it it gets much better. (laughs) Well, and it it ultimately undermines any capacity that we have to contribute. Because if you're not, and I mean, you say you're taking this time away, and it's selfish, I would argue that it's really about creating this reservoir within yourself for whatever you choose to do next. And without that, none of us have anything to contribute.
1: That's a really good point, you know, and and I think it doesn't have to be, you know, a year and a half or two years, whatever, like like I've been doing, or I, I guess you could argue five years, um, like I've been doing, you know, people just don't people don't even take the vacation time that they get at work, yeah, and we've created this culture where somehow that is okay in the states. No, that is not okay. Uh, we are not put on this earth to work ourselves, uh, to death until we can finally retire. And then we're too old to do anything. (laughs) Um, that's just, you know, I just don't believe that that is what we're here for. We're here to find joy and hopefully we find a good chunk of that in our work. Mm -hmm. But you know, the, the, the idea that you have to dedicate yourself 24 seven to the pursuit of profits for somebody else or profits for yourself, Mm -hmm. uh, I think is sad. I really do. And I also believe that it is it is by and large uniquely American. Um, you know, the the Europeans know how to take their vacations, and uh, you know, the it, it, maybe academia has it right in in the states where you at least get a sabbatical every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that's I, I think you're right that taking some time out for yourself just to just to get away from it, just to get away from that rat race, to get away from the alarm going off every day. That once you take that break, I think when you come back, you're a different person, and I think you're a more valuable person, and certainly a more ready and rested person. Mm -hmm. And how can that not make you a better employee? Yeah,
0: well, that certainly was my experience. I underwent a major shift in my career direction, and and uh, just in the way I was thinking about being in the world. And I'm I'm Mm. I'm curious to hear how. I mean, certainly your perspective has shifted, but have your values shifted at all? Is that something that – is this kind of more of a fundamental change, do you think, for you?
1: Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think there are are just – there are skills that I have gained in taking time away and and certainly in being a solo traveler in an area of the world where I'm a complete foreigner – um there you know those skills i think will benefit me no matter what i end up doing if if and when i ever go back to kind of a traditional model of a career and i i don't i don't know that that will actually happen mm-hmm. um but you know the the confidence that is that that i've helped instill in myself at this point is i mean it's off the charts compared to what it was 5 years ago even 2 years ago before i left the states um my sense of what i expect from an employer is really different, um, you know I when I left my previous employer uh, marketplace, I was not happy, and one of the things that I've decided is that I, I wish I, I wish I would have handled things differently uh, in a way that I, I wish that I would have pushed back more on mm-hmm. some of the things that were making me unhappy. I wish that I would have vocalized that more than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would certainly do that now, you know, and so so there are. There are things like that and there you know then there are also I mean in terms of the values that you mentioned I yeah, boy it's it's hard to put into words but I, I really do feel like the next thing that I want to do whether it's in journalism or in some other area that I haven't figured out yet you know I I really want to do some good for the some greater good for the world at large now, I would I would always say that any journalist worth their salt, any any good reporter, anchor, person in the news, um, they are serving the world mm-hmm. by making it smarter sure. and by bringing information and translating information that is vital to people as citizens and as voters. Mm-hmm. That said, uh, when I think about what I want to do next, um, I you know I think more along the lines of. You know, some sort of nonprofit. Um, what what can I do to help raise living standards for other people in other parts of the world? What what can I do to shine a light, perhaps, on on you know the the doings, the 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 evil that is happening in in some corners of the world? You know, can I? Can I somehow shine a light on on human trafficking? Can I somehow help out with uh issues uh, surrounding climate change? You know there there are just all there are all these huge things that are going on in the world that seem incredibly impossible to tackle, mm-hmm. but I would like to i think in my next iteration, try to do something toward that. um so I think in that way, my values have changed, and I also you know, I'm not as worried about climbing the ladder anymore. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I got pretty close to the top of my industry. So it's, it's easy for me to say that I can't, don't want to climb the ladder anymore. because I was pretty close to the top, but I never actually got to the tippy tippy top, (laughs) Uh, which was part of my frustration and part of the reason I left. Um, but I just, I don't care about that anymore. Mm. I, you know, whatever I do next, I want to be able to have joy on a daily basis. Um, I mean, not every day is going to be, Rainbows and unicorns, uh, but I I want to love what I'm doing like I always have, um, and I want I want to somehow bring joy, bring light, bring something to a larger, a, a greater population. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I don't know what that looks like.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, the part of the world that you're in, there's certainly. Oh, yes. A lot to be tackled it's, and not to say there's not issues everywhere else. But um, I, I think there's kind of a a nakedness almost about issues that it's not so tucked away. It's not not hidden. So
1: no, no, not even close. That's a really good way to put it. It, it is. I mean, it is literally and figuratively naked here. Mm-hmm. Um, poverty. You know, civil rights. I mean, the the problems here are (laughs) they feel like they are absolutely insurmountable. Mm -hmm. Um, And but you know, I'm really glad that I've seen what I've seen and that I've experienced what I've experienced in places like Cambodia and Burma and Bhutan, um, because that has affected you know how I think of what my next move might be, what my next uh, if not a career but at least a job or you know what my next goals might be. What mm-hmm. that what that might look like.
0: Well, and you might think you might create something for yourself that doesn't look like any kind of proscribed thing. With all the experience yeah. you're getting in doing that. Yeah, I mean,
1: I would love <laughs> to do that. Uh, the problem is Ursula that I am fundamentally lazy, and so it, I mean I, I you know I spent twenty twenty five years working on deadline. So right. you know if, if when that on air light went on, I had to be ready. Right. And now I live with no deadlines, and there's no one expecting anything from me. And so I, it's it's very hard for me. I, I I could never ever start a business. I think because <laughs> I'm not a self starter. I I need those goalposts to hit. Like when I was writing my book, you know, I, I knew, I knew when I had to turn it in. Um, so that's something that, that I have to teach myself more, um, as I kind of head toward a point where I want to be a little more productive. Um, but that's, uh, that's one of the skills that I do not have (laughs) after 20, 25 years in the workplace. I'm, I'm not a super awesome self-starter, but. I think that's something that I can learn.
0: Well, there's the these the, there's the advantage of structure and all those things that uh, exactly it, when you're when you're on your own, it, you got to create all that yourself, and that's that's right, a challenge. Well, I'm, uh, I you know, I think what you said about reporters and and shining the light. Do you think that's still true, even in this day of fake news? What do you uh, what do you think about all yes. that?
1: no you know i I think the problem is that the vast majority of what is being tagged as fake news at least by the Oval Office is not fake news um it is abs- it is you know investigative reporting it is well reported and uh, i mean i I would defend my colleagues at all the mainstream media outlets uh to the death because I believe that they are doing yeoman's work in an incredibly difficult and contentious environment mm-hmm. um you know, I, yes, of course, there's fake news. There was fake news all over the election last year, and the the internet is is the scourge of fake news. Right. Facebook is the scourge of fake news <laughs> on both sides of the aisle. Sure. I mean, I I have seen absolute BS in the left wing, you know, in in left wing uh, websites, right. purported journalism websites, um, as I have on the right. Um, but it is your responsibility as a citizen and as a reader to ferret that out. And I just, I believe that the Washington post and the New York times are the, the premier news outlets of, of the moment and they are doing extraordinary work. Um, and I would encourage people to, um, not believe when they are told that what is fact is actually fake. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ha, try to have a sense of, of what is real and what is not. Perhaps that's tough these days. But um, I just, you know, I, I I believe in my fellow journalists and my former colleagues.
0: Well, I think that there, what all of us are called to do now is to really step it up in terms of self-responsibility. And part of that yes. is vetting where you're getting your information. and. Yes. Um that's, I think, an important aspect, but it's also part of a larger issue of, all right, what do we, how are we making our choices? How are we making our decisions? Is it based on what we really know? Or is it just a gut reaction, emotional response? I think we're all being called a, a more rounded approach of, yeah, I mean, by all means, let's feel what there is to feel around this and bring in these thinking brains we have and make use of them as well.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know, I would hope that we would continue to do that, but it, you know, it does seem like there has been quite a demonization of intellect, Mm -hmm. of education, uh, over the last several years, not, not just in the current administration. And you know, I, I agree with you. It's, it is a personal responsibility and it's something that people should take extremely seriously because this isn't just about the United States. This is about the world. Um, and I will tell you that the view from over here, uh, literally halfway around the world, is that the United States is losing um, its place as the leader in, mm. uh, of the free world, um, not to mention the unfree world. Uh, it, is, it is really becoming very evident that, for example, here in Southeast Asia, China is ascendant uh, just even in the last six months. You know, withdrawing, for example, from the uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership, uh, the trade deal that was worked out. Well, that basically uh, is just an opportunity for China to step right right in and consume the entirety of the consumer base in Southeast Asia.
0: And they have the capacity to do do it.
1: Oh, absolutely. And you think they don't want to? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) It's, It's like their dream. Um, and it is happening now. Uh, but the problem is that I think that the United States and its citizenry is very insular. Uh, we, you know, and I, I'm a citizen, uh, but I think as a general rule, we don't, we don't look at what's happening in the world. We look at what's happening in our own country and in our own backyard. And yes, that's important, but it is a, it is a global economy now. And if you are basically ignoring what's happening in the rest of the world or erecting trade barriers, it's going to come back and bite you because you cannot turn back the tide of time. And so, um, you know, I, I would encourage people to go beyond even the U.S. news. I know it's hard to look at foreign news when you have no idea where it's happening, where it is on the map. Um, I you know, i I didn't know the various countries of Southeast Asia and kind of where they were on the map until I got over here. i'm I'm embarrassed to admit that, but i I didn't. Um, but it's worth taking some time to see how policies in the u s. are being impact or are, are are having an impact uh, on the rest of the world because it will end up coming back to the citizens of the United States, whether it's in jobs, whether it's in what you're paying for any good that you buy at the store, Mm -hmm. all of that is affected by the policies that are currently being implemented.
0: Well, um, I agree. I think that people perhaps don't have a broad enough perspective on how the economies are so interlinked globally and the products that we take for granted are very much the outcome of international trade deals. So I really liked what you said, too, about the insularity, because, uh, I mean, what you're doing on its own is a a great step towards that. I always think it would be a fabulous thing if everyone was required to spend a month or two somewhere in the world outside the country, because it's that whole realization that, oh, things actually work here in a totally right. different way and therefore that is possible and i think it opens people up in a in a way that we don't see when we just stay in our own small area so
1: oh that is that is so true and you know one, one thing that uh, that i have really preached uh, especially to all of, any of my friends who have children um, is that uh, you know let them take a gap year or mm-hmm. or have them take, you know, a quarter or a semester out from college and, you know, go do a, a semester abroad. Because that, I think, is probably the most uh, stimulating, the most important education that you could ever get is to spend a significant amount of time, not just vacation, but a significant amount of time outside of the United States. Outside of North America, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because not only do you learn what we've talked, kind of what we've talked about, which is you know the global politics and and economics, but you also see that we are all the same people. Mm-hmm. We we all you know we all just try to get through our days. Um, whether you're in Thailand or Los Angeles or uh, Dubuque or Mexico City, you know it, we're we're all just trying to have the best lives that we possibly can. And I think that a lot of that gets lost in the current debate today.
0: Mm-hmm. It's so essential that recognition of our basic human connection. It's um, yes, it's so profound and seemingly sounds simple, but it's it's such a profound thing. Well, if if you were to, uh, I know you told me before the podcast that uh, you're not in the advice business. So I won't ask you that. But <laughs> is there is there any uh, is there an insight? Or what would you say is the most important insight you've gained from your own journey of of having national impact and now doing this self exploratory time uh, where you've stepped away from okay. that? What's what's the strongest insight that you've had?
1: Boy, that's a really good question. There's so there's so many of them. It's almost overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess I would say that for me, it really is that. I have the ability to deal with whatever comes my way. I would not have said that before Before I left my job five years ago. Um, but, you know, I was able to figure out how to make a living after I did that. I was able to talk about the experience and then write a book out of it. Uh, when I left the country, I realized that I can, I can navigate my way through almost every society that you could drop me into. I like to say that if you, if you took me up in a plane and dropped me over pretty much anywhere on the globe except a war zone, I would be able to figure things out. Mm-hmm. Um, it wouldn't be easy. None of it. it is easy. But I, I have come to truly believe that we all have the ability to recover from really tough stuff, more than we think we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all have the ability to function on our own more than we think we can. Uh, whether that is starting your own business or starting you know, a, a side hobby or going and traveling or living somewhere else in the world, it's all really, it, it can be scary. Taking any sort of risk is really scary. And it's not something that I did a whole lot of before five years ago. Um, you know, I, Yes, I moved around the country quite a bit, but I always had a job. Right. waiting for me. Yeah. So, uh, but, but, you know, I would, I would say that my biggest lesson has been that, that I can cope and that I can not only cope, but I can thrive. Um, and it's something that I wish everyone could learn about themselves because then I think that we would make vastly different decisions about our lives and about the lives of our family members as well.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I so appreciate your message of resilience and self-confidence that comes from that and the, the knowledge that you can be bolder and, uh and survive yeah. it, which I think comes out of that. So, so, yes. so thank you for sharing that with us today, Tess. And for, uh, despite the fact that you feel like you're not having any impact, I think you actually are inspiring people <laughs> by the way you're choosing to live right now. And, um, I'm really interested and excited to hear what you end up doing in, in whatever time frame is, uh, what, what's going to work for you. So thank you again for being here. Yeah, I'm here.
1: excited to figure that out too. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see right. how long that takes.
0: Right. Well, if people would like to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Is there, uh, a web, website oh, yeah. that can a, reach anyway, out? Anyway,
1: you know, I'm, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Um, I'd be happy to be friends with you on Facebook, um, as, as you and I are. Um, so send me a request, and I'd be, I'd be happy to say hello. Um, I also have a website. It's called Tess Untethered. Dot com. That's great. And uh, yeah, so I basically untethered myself from every string that was keeping me in the states, and so th- that's my website. And that's that's a lot about uh, my travels and kind of what I've learned while abroad. Um, I also have a, another website that was for my journalism stuff, but
0: Tess Untethered is the one. And, you know, send me a note from there if you'd like. Great. Well, thanks for sharing that. And thank you for the work you have done in the world and for what you're doing right now. It's uh, it's an inspiration. So thank you, Tess. Oh,
1: thank you. Thank you, Ursula. I really appreciate it. And I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks. Me, me too.
0: Join us for more podcasts on impact. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast channel on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll be notified as soon as new podcasts are available. Thank you to everyone listening for being here. Until next time, to keep that positive flow of energy going in your business so you can have your own impact, join our community of entrepreneurs like you by entering your name and email at workalchemy.com.